0: Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. <laughs> All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Sorry, folks. Wow, producer Joe, how are you today? Oh, man, I'm doing pretty good. The Traffic here was crazy. Yeah, yeah that's just funny, yeah. that Baltimore region. So, uh, <laughs> folks, you know, I, I I put out my email for the audience because I love your feedback, and I got a really uh, a, a great one this morning. I missed this article. <laughs> what did I tell you a couple weeks ago, Joe? That after the midterms, regardless of what happens, there's gonna be a cabinet shakeup like there is yeah. after every midterm for every presidential administration in modern American history. What did I say, Joe? The headlines are, chaos. Chaos. Yes. <laughs> it's all breaking down. It's the aliens are coming. The red coats are coming. The red coats are coming. I told you this was gonna happen. Orson Welles, War of the Worlds, everybody get out. <laughs> oh, God, what will we do? Well, when we saw, oh. Even Saul's upset about oh. it. Folks, I oh. told you, and somehow I missed this headline, and I want to thank, you know who you are, the listener who emailed me right before I got on the show this morning. So Trump uh, asked for Jeff Sessions' resignation, and I, I, I listen, yeah. I, I'm just telling you because it's funny, not because I'm patting myself on the back. I told you, I even used the word. They're going to say it's chaos even though everybody does it every president here's a headline new yorker by eric lack l-a-c-h trump fires jeff sessions and throws his administration back at the chaos so thank you to uh who's the listener there i'll give you a little shout out i won't use your don't worry was it matt i think it's matt uh, i told you i said i told you that was gonna happen uh of course the the chaos line So um, thank you for the heads up on that. Hey, Stack Show today. Yesterday, I told you I was going to dig into Arizona. Um, I also want to talk about Whitaker a bit because I missed something yesterday. A heads up by another listener. Uh, Before we get to that, today's show brought to you by our buddies at My Patriot Supply. Folks, you insure everything in your life that matters. Think about it. Your health, your teeth, your car. People have eyeglass insurance. (laughs) How can you not have food insurance? It's crazy. I mean, I'm not trying to insult you, but it's true. I I mean, I guess in my prior line of work doing what I did, I was always concerned about backup plans. You really, really should have food insurance, especially if you have, you know, you have kids out there. Can you imagine an emergency not having food? Forget it. How long is that food in your food closet? I can't call it a pantry going to last. We're in a season of change. That's probably not good. Markets swing. Uh, weather disasters are weekly events in our news headlines, and political unrest and fallout will increase. You know, he's seen these Antifa guys. Gosh, I mean to be dramatic, but to all these sudden changes, one thing's a fact: we should be prepared. Our day-to-day lives are likely to be disrupted. You need a plan for food storage and water filtration when emergencies strike. Protection from disasters, survival tools, those kind of things. Get those items at My Patriot Supply. I use them; you should too. They've helped a million hardworking Americans become more self-reliant. My Patriot Supply sells hundreds of items. The selection's endless, including emergency food kits, gravity-powered water filtration systems at MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. Can't recommend this company enough. They've been with us from the beginning. Their products are top-notch. Could be an earthquake, cyber attack, uh, or a disaster that shuts down our power grid. For all these emergencies and more, get your supplies at MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Do it now so you're prepared mypatriotsupply.com. Okie doke. Um, so, what happened in Arizona yesterday? I, I wanted to cover yeah. Florida yesterday and Arizona separately. And the reason I'm covering these, again, this is a national show. Uh, these are issues, what's going on in Florida and Arizona that are not localized. They may seem it, but they're not. Um, the, it, what's happening there are, are issues that are resonating nationally. Now, what went on in Arizona, I'm going to break down into some very simple points. And I have a really terrific article in the show notes. Up at Bongino.com, if you subscribe to my email list there, I'll email you these articles to you, uh, by uh, John Gabriel, who's really funny on Twitter, um, at Ricochet. And it points to five reasons that uh, Kirsten Cinema won the race, the Democrat, over Martha McSally in a traditionally very red state in Arizona. I'm going to add a few more from some of the reading, research, and from some of the stuff I'm getting from conservatives, friends of mine on the ground. All right. Um, what, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take these takeaways, too. And tell the, tell you why you need to worry about this nationally because what happened in Arizona is worrisome to people in other states as well. Number one, ladies and gentlemen, candidates still matter. I am not piling on Martha McSally. I lost races, okay. I mean, I'm in no position to be criticizing people who lo- she won her her congressional race before, lost the Senate race. At both times, it's been in a sliver. But I'm just telling you what I'm getting from people on the ground. And one of the things you'll read in this ricochet piece is one of the criticisms of McSally's race, Martha McSally, the Republican in Arizona and why she may have lost the race is she played to prevent defense, which was a great analogy. Gabriel uses. she played not to lose. Um, I'm not just hearing this from the article, by the way, I wouldn't bring it up if, if that was the case. I'm hearing this from a lot of people that she, she did not play to win. She was not aggressive in her campaigning. Um, apparently the retail politicking she was out retail politic by cinema who was out there shaking hands i mean i I, i'm i'm disturbed by this folks i can't understand how in montana montana john tester the democrat in a blood red state beat rosendale and some of the emails i got i'm not off track here i just want to just say what's because this is again this is applying nationally candidates matter one of the things people said to me about rosendale is oh he seemed wooden and he didn't seem um He seemed like a carpetbagger from out of state. He came off that way. Folks, gosh, this is not a reason to vote for the Democrat. I don't get this. Like, we're looking at the destruction of our country by awful Democrat policies, and we're seriously talking about this kind of stuff? Oh, he lived out of state. You're going to destroy your state. I'm sorry, but this is, I don't understand what's going on. I've had to, like, bite the bullet and vote for a number of crap candidates. Good people, but terrible candidates. People who I disagree with, frankly, my own congressman in my district on a number of issues because I understand the value of having a Republican majority. Not that they're going to solve all your problems, but Democrats are most assuredly the cause of them. How in Arizona, despite lackluster retail politicking by McSally, some Republicans crossed over and voted for a woman who's on the record saying how much she can't stand Arizona in Kirsten Cinema is bizarre. I don't get it. What's the complaint? She didn't knock under your door? I I don't get it. But on the on the what we can learn from this side, it Joe, candidates still matter. Yeah. I said this in my race where I knocked on 7,000 doors myself and we almost pulled off an upset. You have to show up. And this is the criticism of McSally that she ran to prevent defense. She played to not lose. She didn't play to win. That's not good, folks. Number two, apparently they overdid it on the negative ads. Folks, uh, listen to me. If there are political consultants out there or if you are a candidate looking to run for office, I am begging you. I did not run a negative campaign ad in my race. Again, we almost won in a D plus six district, Mm -hmm. a heavily Democratic district where the candidates who ran before and after me lost by double digits. We did not run a negative ad at all. I don't care what consultants are telling you. Ladies and gentlemen, negative ads do not work when they are the bedrock of your campaign. They just don't. People get tired of them. I've, I ran. I, I, I've, I've seen it. They, these consultants, I don't know what their obsession with negative ads is, but apparently in the Arizona race, there was a deluge of negative Kirsten Cinema ads. I don't, people just don't like negative advertising. You have to offset it with a sense of optimism. Saying the other person sucks is not a message. I'm sorry. It's just not. And it makes me think of the, the Alan West race down here against Patrick Murphy in Congressional District 18, where I live now, where Patrick Murphy, the Democrat, in a huge upset, wound up winning by one point over Alan West. And one of the things people talked about after the race was the relentless negative advertising against Patrick Murphy, who had had uh, some kind of a um, arrest in his youth. Folks, they tried that against Beto in Texas, who had been uh, arrested in a in a very suspicious uh, uh, incident involving a car and leaving the scene. Listen, folks, that's all bad stuff. But, Joe, would you agree? To, people are just very forgiving, and they just don't want to hear endlessly about what happened to a candidate when they were 18 years no, it's, old. It, I'm, listen, it's terrible. I'm not telling yeah. you it's a fair game. I'm just saying it, people just don't care. Joe, you and I have been in scraps. Yeah. Stuff happens. Yeah. People are very forgiving in the United States. They don't want to hear 600 ads about how Murphy was involved in this. Uh, what I don't know what it was. A DWI, I don't remember exactly. But it was it's endless. And in the Beto stuff about people just don't care. You know, that negative ads against cinema. All right, great. I know she, under, she was in a pink tutu saying it was okay to fight with the Taliban or whatever. I get it. Let it speak for itself after a while. You have to define yourself. I'm saying this again, not because I want to talk about Arizona to a national audience, because number one, candidates matter. Takeaway number one everywhere. We have 2020 coming up. Stop playing not to lose. Stop playing to just for the the managed, oh, the Republican Party, we're going to be the managed decline. We got to keep government spending the way it is. You know, we don't want to cut programs. God forbid. Play to win. Play to win like you have some freaking cojones. That, that seems to play to win. That seems to be a big mindset with the Republicans. Playing oh, playing it's to pathetic. not lose. You know what I mean? It's over and pathetic. over. Yeah. Oh, we can't run against Obamacare. People ah. like it. People like it because they don't know what it is. It sucks. It's a disaster. Play to win. Have some cojones, man. Go down swinging on principles that matter to you. The Democrats do it all the time. Stop playing not to lose. Social security. We can't God, that, mm. cut that. There's no money. How about explain to people how if you're 55 and older, you're okay, but 55 and younger, we're going to have to fix it, or your grandparents are going to be out in the street. How about explaining the economics of it? How about playing the win for once? Government spending. We're going bankrupt. It's out of contriving we got to the debt ceiling. I want to get to that yesterday. Interest rates are going to go up. You're going to pay 15% on a mortgage if we don't fix this. Explain it. Have some... Guts! My gosh! Again, second negative ad. All right, enough already. What do you stand for? I hated that in my campaign. I didn't run one of them, not one. I didn't think so. I didn't remember one. No, no. I, I find it. I ask people. Go to YouTube and find a negative ad I ran against the. Link. It's not there. Everything was my, uh, you know, my low taxes. How we were going to figure this out? The Maryland economy. I, I just I wasn't interested. And oh, this this guy sucks. That guy's it's it's just folks. I don't care what the consultants tell you. It is a loser strategy. Number three with the McSally race, and again, this kind of they're not they're not mutually exclusive of each other. This more goes in the alignment with number one. She played not to lose. She was just too chummy with the McCain. Uh, you know, God rest the man's soul. I don't like speaking of the dead, but she was too chummy with the McCain faction. People want people who are going to fight for Republican principles. And it's clear, again, I'm not talking ill of debt. I'm just telling you what happened. McCain was not a conservative anymore. He sunk the Obamacare reforms and the Obamacare repeal. We had issues with him on immigration. He was just not a conservative anymore. According to uh, John Gabriel's article, she was just too chummy with McCain. Maybe you folks on the ground have a better read of that. Again, this this one I have not independently confirmed through my sources on the ground. This one I'm reading from the article, so I'm going to leave that where it is. Fourth, the left is figuring it out in red states, folks. There are danger signs everywhere. How the hell did Beto finish within 2.6 points of Ted Cruz in Texas? How? Ted Cruz won by 16 points in the last election. The governor won by almost 20, Greg Abbott. Doug Ducey, the governor of Arizona, Routed his opponent, meaning people split ticket voted. They had to. If the Republican at the top of the ballot running for governor wins by 20 and the Senate candidate Republican loses, or in Ted Cruz's case, only wins by 2.6, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of Republicans voted for the Republican governor and the Democrat senator. That's just simple math. Why? Because the left is figuring it out, folks. They are figuring out how to organize in red states, and it is big, big trouble. And they're doing it two ways. This is not in the piece. This is me kind of improving on separate stuff I'm hearing on the ground from activists. There are two things they're using. They are using education issues to stick the camel's nose under the tent in red states. We've seen it in Oklahoma. We've seen it in Arizona. You're going to see it more in Texas. They are using teachers' pay to organize people because swing Republicans, moderate Republicans, independents, and almost every Democrat will, they, everybody loves teachers and you should do not take the, I'm not knocking teachers. My life was changed by good teachers. I'm simply saying that because you support good teachers does not make you a Democrat, but the Democrats don't see it the same way. Are you Joe? Stop me if I'm just not making sense. We're good. Yeah. In deep red States, They are organizing voters to come out, and they are painting the Republican Party as the enemies of education, and they are using teacher pay as the issue. You saw it in Oklahoma. There's big rallies for increased teacher pay. And what are they doing? They're bringing out Democrat voters, but most importantly, they're demonizing Republican voters. Like, you guys hate teachers. You don't want teachers to make money. B.S. We're all for school choice and education. We just want uh, good teachers to be paid good money and bad teachers to be fired. You're full of crap. Democrats, well, not all Democrats, but liberals want every teacher to be paid like Warren Buffett, despite their ability to teach your kids or not. That's not fair. And folks, and Joe, by the way, that's not fair to good teachers. No, hell no. Where else does that work? Ladies and gentlemen, my show and this arena is content production space is a strict meritocracy. Hence my apology yesterday on Monday for Friday show. This is for you. You don't like it. You tune out. And you know what? The show goes bankrupt. End of story. I love that. I love that I gotta produce. I love that when I don't produce, you email me about it. And I love that I have to come back to you and say, hey, my bad, folks. I don't feel bad for it for having to apologize. I did I your it's your show. The show's for you. To what why are to, I don't understand why teachers are exempt from that. I'm not knocking you. I love you guys and ladies. I'm not kidding. You changed my life. Literally changed my life. Miss Gilfeather, God rest her soul, Miss Shortino, you changed my life. We grew up poor. We went to a Catholic school that took us on as a near charity case at times. Sister Jane, just friended her on Facebook from St. Pancras. I didn't even know she was still alive. Thank you, sincerely. But I say to the teachers, just like I say to people counting on Social Security who are 55 and younger, the rules of basic math eventually take over. State budgets cannot afford to pay every single person $250,000 a year, regardless of skill. It just doesn't make sense. Granted, those are hyperbolic numbers. I'm just giving it, I'm just trying to, it is exaggeration for effect and I probably shouldn't do that, but they're using the teacher's pay issue to paint Republicans as the enemy of education and get moderate Republicans to swing to the Democrat side. Now that's how they're organizing. Number two, Folks, the apps are big trouble. The Democrats are figuring out how to use these apps out there to, one, organize money and organize people, and the Republicans are falling behind again. Joe, have you heard of Vote With Me? No. You should. I hadn't either before about two weeks ago. Hmm. And I've been meaning to talk about it, but we've been sidelined by the relentless news cycle. Vote With Me, Joe, is an app Mm -hmm. targeted towards Democrats that when they download it, it allows you to, a- it allows the app to access your contacts. Huh. It Uh-oh. allows the vote to apps access your contacts and determine people in your contact list and your phone book um, who have voted, uh, how they're, re- I can't say how they're voted, we have a secret ballot, but how they're registered and if they voted in the last few elections. Brilliant! Yeah. It allows it you to send text to them to remind them to vote. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. This Vote With Me app is attributed, a lot of their success in some of these swingy districts is being attributed to their use of technology, this app and others. Republicans, we better get on the ball. You understand how this works? It accesses your contacts, sends them a text to vote. Yeah. Wow. It finds out what their party affiliation is. This is a big deal. A BFD, as Joe Biden would say. <laughs> it's not illegal. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not impugning the integrity of entrepreneurs who figure out how to people, I'm a capitalist, even in politics. But I say to the the Republicans here, you better get on the ball. We can't screw around. That is slick, Dad. I'll tell you. It is, big time. And we're falling behind. We can't afford this again in 2020. So, the number number one takeaway, uh, good candidates matter. McSally played not to lose. Number two, Relentless negative ads are a loser. How many times are we going to try this? Number three, getting too chummy with the moderates in a red state like Arizona turns off the conservative base. Number four, the left is organizing. They're using teachers' issues, which are not Democrat issues. Republicans want teachers paid well, too, as long as you're good. They're using teachers' issues and technology to organize, even in red states. They just... They I mean they just flipped the Senate seat in Arizona. Number five is um again kind of related to the other ones, but it's a good piece worth reading that Kirsten Cinema retailed it. Folks, she retailed it. She retailed politics. It. it matters. The cinema's out there on video trashing Arizona. It's the meth lab of democracy. They're crazy like Lindsay Lowen. She's tra- she just won. It's meaning Republicans voted for her. You know why? The same reason Democrats voted for me in District 6. I, I hate to keep bringing this up, but I'm just telling you because we actually experienced it. Folks, when cinema shows up, everybody has in the back of their head this idea about her. She's got the tutu on. She says it's okay to fight for the Taliban. I would never in a million years vote for Kirsten cinema, no matter what. But I'm telling you from experience when you show up like she did, she retailed it. I'm telling you as a cautionary tale and you shake someone's hand, they are very hard to dislike. I used to knock on what they call four by four Democrat doors, four by fours, meaning Democrats who voted in the last four primaries and generals, hardcore Democrats in my congressional race in Maryland, because I read a study once. I think it was a Penn State. Forgive me. I could be wrong. But I'm a very, I'm an analytical guy. And when I decided to run for Congress for the second time, I wanted it done scientifically using, using studies, research, and I wanted to do it the right way. I read a study that when you knock on people's doors and you meet them face to face, they're not more likely to vote for you, but they're less likely to vote against you. What does that mean? It may sound Confusing. It means when you knock on a 4x4 four four Democrat door and you have a good conversation with them, they're not going to vote for you as a Republican, but they darn well may bypass your race and not vote for the Democrat either, especially if the Democrat's unimpressive. Now, it's clear there were some crossovers in this race, so Cinema must have done a good job of not only getting Republicans not to vote against her, but Republicans to vote for her despite trashing the state. Folks, we got to show up. The retail politics matter. These, re- There is no time to sit down. We're, yes, we're still talking about 2018, the hot wash stuff, but 2020 started. There's no breaks. There's no time off. Retail politics matters. Folks, Texas should scare the living daylights out of everyone. If we lose Texas, it is Over. Over. We will be a minority party forever. Okay, something else that happened on the very suspicious side in Arizona, by the way, because I'm not suggesting to you that all of this was. Oh, cinema was so wonderful. She was not. I be- she was. An, a, her issues and, and her and her and her comments on Arizona are were atrocious, but she managed to retail it out. She had a little help, Joe. I have an article from the Washington Free Beacon up at the show notes today. Another thing for you to pay attention to, Ann, we've got more elections coming up when it comes to suspicious electoral activity. Hmm. Joe, they opened up, quote, emergency voting centers in Arizona. Huh. Now, the Arizona law says that the early voting is to stop the Friday before Election Day. Election Day is on Tuesday, the Friday before. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. That's the law. Well, the Tolleson County mayor who had endorsed uh, Cinema, excuse me, Tolleson, not county, Tolleson mayor, it's not the county, uh, asked for some Maricopa County in Democrat areas, emergency voting centers, which were open Saturday and Monday. Now, state law says that those emergency, uh, the, the early voting is supposed to wrap up on Friday. Joe, is Saturday after Friday, take a minute to think. Is it after or before when you do your Monday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Oh, l- remember that song? Oh, oh, oh! Who Saturday sang that? Do you is remember? It's after Friday. It is. It's after. Yes. All you got to do is remember yes. the song I just Thank sang you. for you. My awful voice. Almost that forgot. was a tune yeah. back in the eighties. The worst song ever. I don't even remember who sang that. <laughs> uh, we'll get we'll get emails, <laughs> so, of course. But, but Saturday's after Friday. Yeah. Now, they said it was an emergency, but what's convenient is these emergency voting centers, air quotes emergency, Joe, on Saturday and Monday after Friday uh, against state law, were open in Democrat areas. Well, now, look at the map in the piece. It's clear as day. The deepest blue parts of Arizona in the cities and around them is where they opened up these emergency voting centers. Again, I'm getting tired of this stuff, but this is the kind of stuff Republicans. Republican uh, elected officials have to be on top of if you want to make access to the ballot and issue through emergency voting centers fine Joe open them up everywhere in the Republican areas too why are you opening up emergency voting centers? what's the emergency winning an election right the emergency we need to get out more votes as this as Ben emailed me yesterday one of my regular emailers, he had a funny line he said so let me get this straight: Republicans get to vote up to and including Election Day, and Democrats get to vote until the Democrat wins. That's a great plan. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> right. Yeah. Democrat is Democrat voting over yet, folks? <laughs> is it, <laughs> seriously, is it over? Dems, are we still voting? Did I miss something? <laughs> Democrat voting goes on till when exactly? Twenty twenty. I mean, this is outrageous. Emergency voting centers, fine. Open them up everywhere. We have to be prepared for this before twenty twenty. Why does that affect me, Maricopa County? Because if we lose Arizona, just like I just said, Texas, folks, it's over. Forget it. It's over. There is no electoral map without Arizona and Texas. You lose. Yes, we would. Big time. And it would be really, really bad. Oh, man. So there's my Arizona story. And that's And I'm sticking to it. Told you I'd give you the analysis, and I hope we uh, we take some takeaways from that for 2020. All right. Today's show also brought to you by the best looking suits out there for the month. You will not find a better suit out there. You ever see me looking crisp on the TV? Yeah. <laughs> Indochino is North America's leading made-to-measure uh, menswear company. I love Indochino. These are, you want to look slick? This is the place to go. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. They have a huge variety of fabrics, colors, and patterns that make Indochino stylish. Makes every guy look better. And you feel more confident. Come on. You know what it's like. You put on that suit. Nice fit. Sharp looking. It's the power suit. You strut in that office. It's all you. As Joe would say, it's all you, babe. Yeah, man. I, I tell you, I never feel better when I'm in. I don't like putting on suits, but when I do, I put on one of these bad boys from Indochino, and there you go. You're rocking that room. It's all about you. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements. No pirate shirts. You know the pirate shirt with the with the, with the six feet of fabric underneath your arms? You look like you got Spider-Man wings. You could fly away. No, 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 no. Busted. Sorry, folks. It's busted. You got to get a suit and a shirt tailored to you. Some of us have unique measurements. This is the way to rock and roll. Unparalleled fit and comfort. Hey, you got a bunch of options to personalize the details too. Personalize the lapel, the lining, the pockets, the buttons. You can put your monogram on the sleeves. I got to be honest. I have that. I love that. Here's how it works. Visit a stylist at their showroom at Indochino and have them take your measurements personally or measure at home yourself and shop online at Indochino.com. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. Choose your fabric inside and out, your design, customization, submit your measurements with your choices, and relax while your suit gets professionally tailored and mailed to you in a couple of weeks. Just watch as the compliments roll in. They'll be like, hey, babe, Joe would say that. Looking sharp, babe. Right, Joe? That's what you'd oh, say. Oh, yeah. To every every girl's crazy about a sharp-dressed yeah, man. They yeah, are. You know, ZZ yep. topper. I got that. I got that. I well, missed man. you yesterday with the Andy thing, of course. All right. November's Black Friday season. Meaning 2018's lowest price is up to 70% off everything. The theme is all about stepping out from backstage, making interest in your Indochino suit. Here, I got a deal for you. This week, my listeners can avail of Black Friday pricing by using code BONGINO at checkout. That's 70% off the regular price for a made-to-measure suit, plus shipping is free. That's Indochino.com. Promo code BONGINO for up to 70% off Indochino.com. Yeah, baby, yeah. All right, moving on. Um... One quick story that I want to debunk for you that I'm getting a little upset about. I want to get in yesterday, but there's so much stuff going on. I've been overwhelmed. There's another media fake news story making its way around about Trump and a stop he was supposed to make in France to an American war cemetery uh, 55 miles out of Paris. Uh, The story, the media media narrative, Joseph, goes Mm -hmm. like this. You probably heard this story. If not, I'll remind you. Uh, Trump bypassed this American cemetery stop, uh, what is it, northeast of Paris, uh, American War Cemetery there, uh, where basically because he's lazy and he didn't feel like going and it was far. Uh, eh, Wrong, folks. Here's what, you understand that's the story, right? right. That's not what happened. It's in yesterday's show notes, there's a Fox News story, Trump skips visit to American Cemetery, but not the Fox story, the Fox story tells it straight. The left-wing media story is that Trump is some kind of like uh, ignoramus who doesn't want to go to events, especially when they evolve uh, celebrating our troops. That's ridiculous and just frankly stupid. Erroneous. Erroneous is right, Vince. Again, dropping the erroneous bomb on him. I obviously, in my prior line of work, did this as a Secret Service agent. Now, I was the motorcade advance agent in Paris, France, for George W. Bush during a trip there. I am intimately familiar with working with the French secret services and police officers on how it works. I spent uh, uh, almost two weeks of my life there. The cemetery is 55 miles out of Paris. Ladies and gentlemen, when the distance is that far in a foreign country, typically what we do is we do what's called a lift. A lift. I'm not disclosing any classified information. This is pretty common sense stuff you can read in any newspaper report of a presidential itinerary. We will take the president typically from a hotel to an LZ, a landing zone. We will then have the HMX, the Marine One bird sitting there waiting. President will board the Hilo. We'll go to another LZ where there'll be a separate set of cars and they'll take him to the event. Now, why would we do that? Now, it's, if you're in the media, uh, you wouldn't know this because, you know, they'll pretend they know it because they think they know everything. They try to do economics, healthcare, and security, even though they can't even do journalism. We do it for a couple reasons. Number one, time. It just doesn't make sense to spend almost two hours in a car if you can spend 15 minutes in a Hilo, right? But secondly, folks, we do it to not snarl up traffic in major American cities and cities overseas. Now, Joe, I'm gonna, it's not a trick question. I'm going to ask right? you just a simple question. Yeah. If you're the president of the United States, right, mm-hmm. and your goal is to get reelected at all times, yeah, it's not a trick. Why would you not want to snarl up traffic everywhere you go? I'd say uh, probably because uh, when that happens, people get pissed off. Yes, I love this guy. Yes, that was not a trick question. No. Because it pisses people off. Yeah. (laughs) It's not just the logistics, folks. I did this. Yes, he could have drove. Possibly. You don't do it. For security reasons, number one, it requires a tremendous amount of assets, and number two, it just pisses people off. <laughs> they hate it. Yeah. I'll never forget a motorcade I did in Pennsylvania, where was it Obama or Bush? Gosh, I can't even remember. I'm sorry, but they were running. Oh, it was definitely Bush. He was running about 20 minutes late. So what happens when you're 20 minutes late? And it was a 22. It was the longest motorcade I ever did. It was 22 miles. We really, really, really wanted to do the lift. But for some logistics reasons, we had to do the motorcade. It was a long, long motorcade, right? We had to snarl up traffic for 20 minutes. Ex- Remember, you have to close traffic down about right. a- about maybe 10 minutes before the president leaves. You don't just close traffic as he gets on the highway. You got to block off the ramps. Can oh. you imagine doing that for 55 miles in France? Oh, <laughs> The answer is no, you can't. Ladies and gentlemen, every one of those entrance ramps has to be covered. Do you have any idea how many French police officers and security services, gendarme, or whatever it may be, do you have any idea how many assets it would have taken to motorcade the president there? Now, I I didn't even, I'm sorry, I missed this one. Why didn't they lift them? I didn't even tell you that. They didn't lift them on the helos because the weather was awful and it was dangerous. It happens all the time. But ladies and gentlemen, it was entirely impractical from a security perspective and from snarling up all of France's perspective to motorcade President Trump 55 miles. Cut the crap with the fake news. It wasn't President Trump. Oh, He doesn't respect the truth. You're just making it up. I did this. Don't tell me what happens. I'll give you one more quick story. The Pennsylvania that was the Pennsylvania thing. What was the story in the newspaper the next day? Because Bush was 20 minutes late. We had to close down the highway 10 minutes before his expected departure. He didn't leave till 20 minutes later. We had the Pennsylvania highway shut down for almost 45 minutes. Joe, the next day in the paper, they were fuming. Yeah. Fuming. That is not the goal of a politician trying to get votes. Let me upset everybody in a swing state like Pennsylvania. Not good. You don't want to do it overseas either. This is a fake news story. So bottom line, the Helos couldn't lift them because of bad weather. The motorcade was impractical from an assets perspective, security wise. And from a political perspective, you don't shut down the whole the country. And I don't mean political in a snarky way. I mean it in a practical way. You're there in a foreign country as a guest, even though you're the president. You don't snarl up the whole country. Then you may, oh, here, here's their comeback. Well, other foreign leaders did it. Ladies and gentlemen, they don't do it like the Secret Service. I'm not crapping on them. They're great people. They're patriots. A lot of these security services do a great job for their foreign leaders. They're not the U.S. Secret Service. We don't mess around. We take unusual amounts of assets to do our thing because we don't take chances. There's a big, big difference between our footprint and Hungary's uh, prime minister. I'm sorry, I'm not knocking them. I'm just telling you I've been there. I've done these international events where all these countries come in and they don't do it like we do it. This is fake news. One quick note on this. When I was in Afghanistan with President Obama, we were supposed to do a lift. We were supposed to do a lift to the embassy in Kabul from Bagram. It's a, it's a lift. It's about a 15 minute flight. There was a sandstorm. We had to cancel. Ladies and gentlemen, it was a big deal. The embassy was excited, really excited. We had the whole event was planned. Matter of fact, it screwed up things so bad. We had to cancel the lift altogether that the secret service agent who was doing the advance at the embassy had to tell everyone, I'm sorry, he's not coming. They were devastated. I'm sure the people who, uh, who were there, remember it at the time. Email me if you were there. We had to cancel. What was the problem, Joe? All the Secret Service personnel and staff had to fly back on the support plane, which is the backup Air Force One. There's always two, always it's two of everything. Two limos, two Air Force Ones, always. They had to fly back on the support plane. Well, what's the problem? How is the Secret Service agent in Afghanistan getting back? He was coming back on the helo that never went to Kabul because we had to cancel. So we were like, oh, mm, how are we (laughs) going to get? We can't leave him in Afghanistan. So we had to have him driven back. And he was like 20 minutes late. And it was a big problem because we had to light up the runway in Afghanistan on Bagram after Air Force One took off. They took off in the dark. and And the support plane was sitting there, which looks like Air Force One, on a fully lit up runway that it only lit up for the for the taxi off. And everybody was like, guys, you need to get the hell out of here because yep. these these terrorists in the mountains will launch IDF, indirect fire and mortars, and they'll take out your plane if you keep sitting here. So I'm sitting there on the tarmac like, brother, where the hell are you? He's like, we're <laughs> almost there. We're, you don't have to worry about speeding tickets. That in Afghanistan. We're almost there. I don't even remember how he got back. Oh, I, I, he may have come back on a on a C one thirty. I'm not even sure to be honest with you. If it was, but either way, it took a long time. He finally pulled up. However, he got there, he pulled up in a jeep, and he was like telling me the story. I'm like, bro, save it. Just get on the plane. I don't <laughs> care. We'll talk on the plane. We jumped up the plane. They I, and I tell the pilot, just go. Just, and right, we were out of air, and I was like, thank God. Bottom line. This stuff happens in the Secret Service, the real world, and these, these I just want to say it so bad, these dip mm. rhymes with hits in the media who don't know even basic stuff about security. Oh, Trump, Trump crapped all over the troops. You don't know squat, shut your pie hole. It's not like a bunch of idiots. I don't know how newsrooms, well, actually I do, I actually do commentary, I, like that. I could probably comment on it. Stop commenting on stuff you don't know nothing about. You have zero expertise in this at all. That's not what happened. They canceled the lift because it was dangerous. End of story. Stop making stuff up, you dopes. Yeah, I remember, I'll never forget that. Guy gets off the guy gets out of the Jeep. Hey, man, you'll never guess what happened. Don't care. Get on the support plane. It's yeah. time to get out of Dodge. I tell we'll the pilot, catch up on the plane. We'll yeah, catch right. up on the plane. We only have nine hours home. We're good. I remember telling the pilot, just gun it, brother. Let's just get out of here. And it was the loudest. I mean, I'm telling you, man, because that runway was lit for a while. They worried about mortars and stuff. Yeah, that man. dude just was like, because you don't have to worry about like, you know, the, the FAA stuff or even buckle it into your seat. None of that stuff. When you're on Air Force One, support important. That guy gunned it. Joe, my head was in the back of that chair like this, like a, like, it almost looked like <laughs> that gravity ride Where your cheeks and stuff And you're pinned against the wall He yeah. gunned that thing I've never seen or felt anything like it And I called wow. my wife And I was like Oh, we made it I was. It was the only trip I was really worried Like something bad was gonna happen Yeah, man Wow Yeah, crazy That's Yeah Alright, I got a lot more to get to Alright, to the, finally Today's show Brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. They make the finest nutrition supplements on the market. Hey, no joke. Uh, I met an old friend at the gym yesterday. I, I know from church. I'm not going to say his name or anything, but uh, I'm not kidding, folks. He comes up to me at a gym. He knows who he is. He listens to the show. He goes, man, that foundation stuff is the real deal. I said, brother, I told you. Foundation, the single best nutrition supplement product I have ever taken. If you want to do two things, listen, if you don't want to look better and you don't want to perform better, then don't bother. Foundation's just not for you. But if you want to do both, look dramatically better and perform better. It is the best product out there. I am not kidding. If you doubt me, take the mirror test. Before you try foundation, give, you a, give, give yourself a look in the mirror. I'm not, I don't mean like a narcissistic weird way. I mean, seriously, look at yourself in the mirror. What do I look like? Take a little mental snapshot. Give it seven days to work. And you're going to see muscles and curves you've never seen before. It's that good of a product. That really happened yesterday. I was sitting on a squat rack. Uh, the squat rack has a deadlift platform, and a guy comes over. He's like, that stuff is no joke. I said, I told you. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up a bottle of foundation today. Doesn't Little Joe love it? Yeah, man. Yeah, I, Oh, yeah. He's and little joes like, He's Woo. not little anymore. I call him Little yeah. Joe because when I met him, he was a string bean. He ain't yeah. little anymore. I could call him Big Joe now. reminds yeah. me of my brother, who was a string bean for a while, too, until he started lifting. He's now yeah. Big Joe. Foundation is no joke. I would not mention Joe's son otherwise. We don't, I don't, I'm serious. It's that good. Go check Damn. it out. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up a bottle of foundation today. Send me, your, send me your email reviews. It's that good. I know you'll love it. Okay. Um, on the Whitaker story, I got an email from a guy with some experience in the space who emails me a lot. Nice guy. I read most of my emails. Uh, uh, and he brought up an interesting point. He goes, Dan, how did you forget on the Whitaker story yesterday The canary trap with the senators, I'll explain. And it's a good point. I should have kind of brought that in. I'm not going to do the whole thing over yesterday, but the Democrats' attacks on Whitaker, the acting attorney general, who Trump has appointed to replace Sessions, are for a reason. Folks, the left doesn't do anything by accident. Everything they do has a purpose. The left is attacking the acting attorney general right now, Whitaker, uh, because There's a theory out there, and I want to be clear, it's a theory. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's a theory backed up by some evidence, but I want to put it out there for you to entertain. There's a theory out there that the conservative treehouse guys put out that's interesting, that Whitaker, who was Jeff Sessions' chief of staff while he was at the DOJ, may have been the one leaving an investigative bread trail behind on a massive leak operation in the United States government that the Department of Justice is closing in on shutting down. And he pointed to three things. The curiously timed release of the Mark Warner Waldman text where Mark Warner, a Democrat senator on the Intel Committee that's been investigating the air quotes collusion nonsense says on March 17th, hey, I'm going in the skiff to review some documents. Then we have the arrest of the Senate committee staffer working with Mark Warner for lying to the FBI about what? About leaks. And then we have the curiously timed release of the FISA application where every single thing is blacked out except for one date, March 17th. The same date Warner goes in the skiff to say he's reviewing documents. And, curiously, the same date that Wolf, the staffer, right around that time, I should say, where he starts texting his girlfriend and a reporter. The 82 texts, and conveniently, there's 82 pages in the FISA application, the first one. Now, that's, that's, that's what I, the 82 is important. Because if James Wolfe had the full FISA application without the redactions and it was 82 pages, the 82 text makes sense. They would be screenshots, if that's the case. Screenshots to his girlfriend. Why would you screenshot a fully redacted page? You wouldn't. Meaning he probably, if that's the case, texted her the full FISA application. If those, that's what that is. But remember, Wolfe's prosecution. I'll tie this up for you in a second. During Wolf's investigation and prosecution, Wolf's lawyer, who he's the staffer now working with the Senate Intel Committee on this collusion case, who at some point may have taken possession of this full FISA application, which lays out the whole scheme to take down Trump, right? At one point, his lawyer, Joe, his lawyer, Wolf's lawyer, threatens to subpoena who? The senators on the committee. Folks, why does this matter? It matters because Wolf was not arrested and prosecuted for leaking information. He was arrested and prosecuted for lying to the FBI about leaking information. Do you understand the difference? He was not arrested for the leaks. He was arrested for lying about the leaks. Why would his attorney, Wolf, the staffer, in his defense, say, hey, um... We're going to subpoena the U.S. senators on the committee in his defense. In other words, he's not lying. That's the lawyer talking. Meaning what, Joe? If he's subpoenaing the senators, did the senators order him or suggest to him that he leaked the information? And that's his defense. Folks, are you tracking me? Oh, yeah. I did not bring this up yesterday. I'm sorry I got so lost in the... uh, is, is Whitaker the cleaner, which was the treehouse's uh, uh, line of attack on them? In other words, was he the one leaving the breadcrumbs on this canary trap where the leakers have all been exposed and the senators may be the leakers? You're right. How did I not bring that up? The leakers may have been the senators telling Wolf, the staffer, hey, go leak this to the press. Therefore, Wolf's defense is going to be, I didn't lie to the FBI. I thought I was authorized to leak it. I was told by the senators. Does that make sense, Joe? thanks Chewy even Chewy gets it folks please track me here uh, Whitaker may very well be the guy who was involved in leaving all these clues out there the FISA application the date on the FISA application the texts about the date they reviewed the FISA application the Wolf prosecution um, the Wolf prosecution and the texts where they in in the indictment they release all this information or the prosecuting documents they don't need to release it's a simple lying to the FBI charge Just say what he lied about, but that's not what they do. They lay out this whole elaborate case and then they don't charge him with leaking. Folks, this is really, really curious what's going on right now. I think the coming days, we may see some Mueller stuff, some indictments. There's a rumor there's going to be indictment of Jerome Corsi and Roger Stone for some contacts with WikiLeaks and some alleged lies to the FBI about it. We'll see what happens, but expect a lot of breaking news. Don't think for a second this case is over. They are attacking Whitaker full force because I think Whitaker, to sum this up, is read in fully on the fact that some United States senators on the Republican and Democrat side may be knee deep in a major league leak scandal where they leaked sensitive FISA documents to people in the media or Joe ordered someone else to do it. And that someone else may, in fact, be Wolf. And that would explain why Wolf's attorneys are like, no, no, we didn't lie about it. Matter of fact, we're going to subpoena the senators. Why would they do that? Why would you do that? (laughs) Because maybe he was ordered to do it. So good call on that. I'm sorry I missed it yesterday. A couple of other stories I wanted to get to. Folks, there's a... uh, had a conversation with a conservative friend of mine. You guys see a lot on Fox this morning and he's like, you know, Dan, I got to tell you of all the things about your show, he's, I really appreciate the economics stuff. He's like, how'd you learn all that? And I, you know, I, I just reading and, you know, I did a finance uh, MBA in school. I'm just, I just really enjoy economics. But one of the things I wanted to discuss uh, today with you just quickly is folks, the debt ceiling is about to go up again in midsummer guys, ladies, uh, Dan Horowitz wrote a piece on this. I t- I t- talked about it last week. I interviewed Dan Horowitz on my NRA TV show, which airs at 5.30 p.m. Uh, Easter time at NRATV.com if you ever want to check it out. I do interviews on the show once in a while. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in a race against time right now in the economy, and I cannot warn you in stern enough terms. I don't mean to do a macabre show today. I'm not trying to depress you, especially after what was, uh, I think, now, given that it looks like we're going to lose up to 34 seats, maybe more. Uh, it was not a good election, okay? There's no uh, putting lipstick on that pig, uh, none. We just we lost. You know, we did okay in the Senate, okay in the governorships. Uh, you know, in in swing states, but it was a bad election, and we need to accept that. Um, I, the day after it didn't seem so bad because it looked like we were going to lose twenty four. Now that it's up to thirty four seats in the House, we're in trouble. I'm bringing this up today because we are in a race against time right now. Our debt, the debt ceiling, is going to go up midsummer to twenty two trillion dollars. Folks, our economy is only worth about twenty, twenty-one trillion. We are looking at right now a catastrophic debt situation, and here's the race against time. And maybe I'm, I'm better off describing the race against time for you to get you a little worried and anxious. It matters. That's what turns people out. I'll describe it in terms of micro rather than macro economics. I'm going to describe it in terms of your household. If if Joe is a uh, you know Joe is in Joe's household right Joe earns say $50,000 a year and has $50,000 in debt which is the uh, which is what the United States the position they are in right now mm-hmm. everything we're worth our entire GDP is 20 trillion we owe 22 trillion that's where the debt ceiling is going in midsummer so we owe everything we make uh, we produce in a year think about it in terms of the micro if Joe owes 50,000 and he makes 50,000 that $50,000 is a lot of debt and that's going to stink it wouldn't be so bad if Joe's income grows faster than interest rates. Right. Because if Joe's income grows 10% a year and interest rates on that outstanding debt, because we have to pay interest on that debt. Folks, they showed us Joe. If Joe owes $50,000 to a credit card company and a credit card interest rate is 5%, but Joe's income is growing at 10%, the economy, even though it has a lot of debt, Joe's personal economy is, is not in catastrophic shape. Does that make sense? Yeah, Joe, you got, you're got tracking not pretty yet. simple math. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to be condescending. It's just you have to understand mm-hmm. this because when we get into the macro, it gets confusing. Mm-hmm. If Joe's economy grows at 10 and the debt grows at five, we're fine. What's making the situation in the United States catastrophic is the debt is not at 50. It's going up every year dramatically. In some cases by, or estimates by a trillion dollars a year. So now Joe doesn't only make 50 and have 50 in debt. Joe may make 51 next year, but the debt is 52. So now we have a math problem because even if Joe's income goes up by 7% and the interest rate on the debt goes up by six, the debt keeps going up, not just because of the interest rate, because he's taking more debt out. Every year he's spending more than he earns. Folks, we are in a catastrophic race against time right now, and I wish Republican lawmakers would get their heads out of their butts and finally take a stand. Let me circle back to point one and what happened in Arizona. We are playing it too safe. Sooner or later, the combined effect of the interest on the debt as interest rates go up, which they are going to do, why do interest rates go up as debt goes up? Think about it very simply, whether in Joe's case or the country's case. Because in order for people to lend Joe more money as he takes on more debt, Joe is a bigger risk. Mm-hmm. So they're going to want higher interest rates and returns to compensate. They'll maybe lend Joe money at fifty, um, uh, you know, $50,000 in debt. But when Joe owes 70 in debt, they're going to be like, Joe, Joe, this is too much. I need 10%. The same thing's happening to the United States. Interest rates are going to have to go up as our debt goes up because the country is going to become a bigger risk. If interest rates and the debt continue to go up, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to have to grow at staggering rates to make ourselves grow out of this bankruptcy apocalypse. Now, there are two ways to do this. Thankfully, there are two forks in this in this road. I shouldn't say forks, they're parallel paths. We can cut government spending dramatically, which is what we should be doing, and have a full court press on entitlement reform. If we do that while simultaneously cutting taxes and juicing the economy for four and five percent growth like Trump's been doing, ladies and gentlemen, the debt will become entirely manageable and we will be on a glide path into the future for prosperity you've never seen before. The problem is we're only focusing on one fork. On this parallel track, we are stalled on that. Actually, we're not even stalled. We're on on a horrible path. On the government spending side, we're spending more and more and more. It is eventually going to become a pure mathematical certainty that we will become bankrupt. Certainty. On the tax cut side and the regulation side, Trump is doing an excellent job. I am begging, imploring for the audience I have, to anyone listening, please make this case to the American people and stop playing it safe. I'm saying that, Joe, because we are at a tipping point right now. And if we hit a recession before the 2020 election, folks record this show, record it and keep it on your uh, on your phone. If interest rates start to go up because the, the debt seems uncontrollable and people stop lending us money and we got to go up to maybe five and five and a half and six percent, even higher, we were at you know 15 percent for mortgages in the 80s. The cost of money is going to go up. The economy could go into recession because we're spending too much and we have to pay higher interest rates. If it goes into recession before 2020, the general election, folks, I'm telling you right now, it's going to get ugly. Ugly. Catastrophically ugly. The good news is we can stop it. If we just put a cap on the spending now, I'd love spending cuts, but if we simply said no more, we have too much debt, we are, not growing at all. we are not growing our budget anymore. If we just put a cap on it, Trump is growing the economy so much through the tax cuts and deregulation that we have the chance to grow our income, our national income, just like Joe's income, at a high enough rate that the debt will become manageable and not the problem it is now. We're running out of time, folks. I can't say this enough. Dan Horowitz wrote a piece, it's in last week's show notes somewhere, at Conservative Review about exactly this problem this will not continue forever if we continue to stick our heads in the sand we have got to get a lid on government spending and i bring it up because the debt ceiling's coming up again and they're going to bump it again and nobody thinks anything about it anymore they just think this is going to go on forever it will not all right um, one last story here folks in california Listen, I love you guys and ladies out there. I really feel bad. I've traveled out there a lot. Uh, you got the fires going on now, which are just—I brought it up yesterday. I lived through a house fire. It is uh, the campfire is now the deadliest in state history. God bless you. Uh, and I, and follow, I, I don't, I don't, I hate to even talk about a political story. It's not related to the fire, but I wanted to bring that up first. And please listen to the ending of yesterday's show. I've been through a. It is the most devastating thing. You don't even know what you lost. Because years later, you go back and go, oh my gosh, where were my Doc Martin boots from? Oh, they burned too. It's, it's the worst thing ever. It really is. It's horrible. But California, folks, I don't know if you read the story, just elected a super majority into the Senate. They already have, they have 40 senators and uh, 80 representatives in the California House. They finally got to 28, meaning they have a super majority now, Joe. California, I'm telling, I'm just telling you for the I know you listen to my show. I get some of your nasty emails. California liberals, you now own the state completely. Entirely, the state, state-level politics. There are obviously pockets of republicanism left. You own state-level politics. You now have a supermajority in both houses. You have the governorship, the lieutenant governorship, the attorney general, you have everything. There's nobody left to blame. I'm saying this, folks, because if you're in California and you're moving out of California because you think the taxes are too high, the living conditions are poor, or you're not happy with the job market, you don't like the income inequality, you now have nobody, nobody left to blame but yourself. There is zero, listen to me, zero ability for the Republican Party statewide in California to stop anything anymore, anything, except through ballot initiatives. They have a veto-proof supermajority. I want to put that out there so there's no confusion in the future, because the Democrats have been experts at this messaging game, so that there's absolutely no confusion if there is a mass exodus or it continues, I shouldn't say if, when it continues out of California, who is at fault? Make no mistake what you're fleeing. You're not fleeing conservatism. You're not uh, uh, fleeing libertarianism. You're not fleeing economic or healthcare liberty. You are fleeing monopolistic Democrat control. Of an entire state with zero ability for Republicans to fight back. That's what you voted in. I just read this story today about the supermajority. appears some races were called. You now own it. Now let's see what you do with it. They had close to that type of control in Maryland where I came from. And it was voted out by now a second term Republican governor. Because people got tired of businesses fleeing Maryland for Virginia. You own it California. Now you try to fix it. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate uh, you listening to the show. Uh, again, I hope you listen to yesterday's show. This show is for you, and I'm very sensitive to your feedback. It means a lot to me. You've invested a lot of time in me. I just have a couple of asks, if you wouldn't mind. Please subscribe to the show. Uh, please, it means a lot to us. It helps us move up the charts. It is absolutely free. You can subscribe at iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, um, Spotify. There are tons of different ways you can listen on my website at bongino.com. And if you wouldn't mind sharing our content, we would really appreciate it. Again, the subscriptions are free, but that's what moves us up the iTunes charts, and it helps people find us. We've been in the top charts forever now. Thanks to you and your subscriptions, it helps other people find the show. It means a lot to us. Thank you very much. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud, and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.